So welcome to Surf in the Psychic Waves. I'm your host, Christy Walsh. I'm excited to say hello to the globe. In this show, we hope to bring you new ideas to your spiritual path by letting you hear how other folks have walked their path or how they awaken. The planet, the solar system, and every being in it is waking up in some way or ascending on their spiritual path. Ascension means different things to different folks, but there are similar stories, and more energy is available to us to raise our vibration. We've noticed that we can connect the spirit faster, move energy around quicker, and time is speeding up. The way we use words is changing, and they carry new vibrations, and the way we interpret events is expanding. We're letting go of old ways of thinking and beliefs that do not serve us anymore, and we're asking different questions of ourselves and our world. The way we define love is getting bigger, and there are always bigger, brighter ways to surf. So grab your board. We'll be looking at ways to define and redefine magnetism, power, and peace. So let's ride the waves of our new ascension, psychic, or spiritual spaces together, and we'll share our stories. We're here on SoundCloud and iTunes for a reason. We have some astrology waves coming up from the planet Neptune and Pisces until 2025, and it's opening up the world of art to us, whether it's music, DJs, setting the energy of a great night, you get the picture. But we'll talk about that more in our upcoming shows. My special guest star surfer today is Julia Stone Street Smith. Julia has been reading since 1993 officially, and we both got our start at the Berkeley Psychic Institute here in the San Francisco Bay Area. It's been around a while now with offshoots in Los Angeles, Denver, and beyond. The idea here is that you get to be in psychic kindergarten at BPI, which is something maybe we all need to get back to in 2013. But by the time a psychic rolls into Berkeley Psychic Institute, they have a whole army of tools to get by and to sort of manage the world. And the only way to jump off of that and press a reset button somewhere is to just get back into that kindergarten space. So I bring this up because Julia has a great take on what it means to get into that vibration of play. And we're going to be talking about the latest movements of Pluto and Capricorn, which sounds so serious, and how that it affects many structures within ourselves and our world, government, work, family, the whole landscape. You can find out more about Julia Stone Street Smith at juliastonestreetsmith.com. So welcome, Julia. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy to be here with you. I know, it's been so long. I haven't talked to you on air at, gosh, I don't know, it's been over a year. Yeah, or two, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe two. So uh, tell me about Pluto. Like, what do you think of Pluto? Like, people say it's a planet, it's an asteroid, it's a centaur. They make all sorts of stuff up about Pluto. I think Pluto gets a bad rap. I do, too. And, you know, it is... It has recently technically been downgraded from planet status, but I'm going to ignore that. Um, (laughs) It's a powerful energy. You know, in astrology, each planet sort of represents archetypal energies, and Pluto is the furthest out planet, technically or not, that we (laughs) tend to look at when we're looking at a natal chart or world events or whatever. And Pluto has a lot to do with, you know, destruction in a way. Death, rebirth, transformation. Pluto is kind of, you know, a tough energy. It, it's coming into whatever situation to, to change it, to say, you know, maybe this isn't working. we got to change it. Sometimes change is not very friendly. It, it's necessary. It's sort of 
I think Plutonian events can feel challenging because they're not sort of warm and cuddly. It's kind of like, you're going to change now. <laughs> like the government, for example, in the U.S. is kind of a mess right now. Exactly. We can see Pluto in an individual life, but we can also see it in world events. And right now, Pluto is traveling through the sign of Capricorn. Capricorn rules things like institutions, uh, business, finance, monetary policy, governments, and traditions and structures that have lasted a long time. So here comes Pluto moving through these spaces that have stayed the same for a long time and it's kind of smashing it up. You know, it's kind of saying, no, you know, this doesn't work anymore. You guys need to adapt. You need to grow. You need to stretch. And I'm going to make sure you do that by showing you how this doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to find, you know, a subject that is actually working right now. If I think about government institutional things, I mean, fire trucks show up. I, that's good. Yeah, that's, that's still happening. So that's a good positive thing. Well, I think Pluto is discriminating in its own way. It's not going to destroy everything. It's only going to destroy the stuff that just isn't working. If there's yeah. corruption or if there's something that's out of balance or there's, you know, some space that's dishonest, Pluto is going to shine a light on that. Pluto can't stand dishonesty. You know, it, it's going to shine the light on anything that doesn't, that isn't true. That isn't, you know, if there's manipulation going on, Pluto is going to show us where that's happening in our personal lives, but also globally. Yeah. And that's been happening a lot. And the ironic thing, well, it's not ironic if you know astrology, but Pluto went into Capricorn in 2008, right when we had the whole Lehman Brothers, the fall of 2008. That's exactly when Pluto entered Capricorn is when we, we began this cycle of economic turbulence, you know, which has certainly affected the world. It hasn't just been a United States experience. But all of a sudden, you know, stuff started kind of falling apart. Companies were exploding. Uh, people mm -hmm. were getting laid off. Um, and we've yeah. been just trying to adapt. And I think at the beginning of the transit, there may have been sort of a sense of we'll, we'll eventually get back to where we were. It'll go back. But then I think after having now been in it for four to five years, there's maybe a sense that, no, we're moving on and something new is going to be, you know, built from the sort of ashes of this old system. And we're still in the, to me, in the part where things are falling apart. We're not in the rebirth part quite yet. <laughs> I want to get to the rebirth part. Me too. I can't I wait. Think to... it... <laughs> I want to see what that has... looks like. It must have something to do with that honesty, truth thing. Definitely, you know, honesty, you... and I think a stripping away of anything that's not needed. You know, to me, Pluto and Capricorn both are energies that that value efficiency. It's like no BS, you know, like let's get down to the very core of what is true or what is valuable here, and the rest is going to get swept out to the sea. Um, so there's a stripping away happening. And it's painful. I mean, I know I've had moments of sacrifice or struggle in the last four or five years when it comes to things like structure, money, business. Um, and yet I'm, I'm aware enough to know that 
it's a necessary evil, if you will. Yeah, I definitely don't want to go backwards to maybe um, how I was sort of handling money or work or any of those spaces from like 2006 or 2008. I I don't want to go back there. It's like I do feel like there's been some streamlining going on. Yeah, we I think I think most people, maybe not everyone, has sort of in their own way had to get more and more in touch with what they really want, what's really important and what's meaningful. Yeah. You know, I, on the other hand, I think a, a pattern like this can also it can show us where we're out of balance. And it's so interesting because the last couple of days I've been thinking a lot about abundance and what does it mean? And I was thinking about how we are in such an abundant time period. I mean, think about all the abundance of cake. I mean, you can go to the store and get 10 different kinds of cake. I mean, 100 (laughs) years ago, there was one kind of cake and you had it like once in a blue moon for a special celebration. And how we have created this abundant reality. And yet, is the abundance we've created actually a good thing? You know, I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I don't want to get judgmental. But when you look at our bodies and how they're changing, we're maybe we're not supposed to manifest our abundance in having 10 different kinds of cake available every day. Yeah, when you put it that way, it's like, wow, somebody back in early, I don't know, 1900s was like, God, I wish cake was everywhere. And then it's manifested. (laughs) They were like, wow, I want to eat cake every day. And it's like, well, now you can eat cake three times a day. You could eat cake all day long. And, but is that the kind of abundance that we, that really nourishes us as a species, as a planet, you know, just like everybody kind of wants a mansion. Not really, not everybody does, but you know, there's sort of this idea, if I could have a big house and a fleet of cars, I'd be, that's, that's success. That's, that's what I want. And that is abundant. But again, is that the kind of abundance that, that really nourishes us as a species and a planet? You know, it's almost like our idea of abundance, I think, is going to change during this transit. It is changing because we have to find an abundance energy that's harmonious with our humanness. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there were times in my world travelers travel days where I would see, you know, that yacht with the heliopad on it and think, wow, that's going to be me someday. Well, yeah, (laughs) it's interesting because, I mean... And I don't care about it now. I'm not alone but in this. But, I mean, I, I'm pretty gluttonous, and I want pretty things around me. And I want to live in a comfy, cake-filled, you know, reality, <laughs> maybe with a butler, too. But but what? I, I mean, so, I mean, I feel the tension inside me between the, the sort of lusty, wanting things, wanting more, and then the kind of like, hey, let's strip it down. Let's like try to get down to a more core experience. Yeah, because I guess it comes back to the honesty and like the meaning. So what is it really, where does that have a place in your life to have cake every day and this big cushy mansion with a whole bunch of cars because you can only be in one car at a time 
We haven't right. figured out how to bi-locate or tri-locate yet. You know, and I don't want to sound judgmental. For anyone out there listening who has a mansion, a fleet of cars, and a house full of cake, right on. Right on. Yeah. Or we'd find new alternative resources. Exactly. And that could be part of the Pluto and Capricorn, you know, evolvement, too, is that we – and I think we've seen that with oil spills and, you know, battles over, you know, areas of the world that have the resources. I think everybody's pretty aware that, you know, we're going to have to shift gears. Global warming. I mean, these are all things that are in our face more and more. Capricorn is an earth sign. So we're becoming more aware of our relationship to the earth, our relationship to our bodies. This transit will last another Let's see, 11 years. So we got some time to hash it out. Wow, 11 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's a 16-year psych. It's a 16-year transit. So we're kind of still at the beginning. We're five years in. We're not even to the midpoint. To me, at the midpoint of a transit is where we maybe start to turn that corner around, okay, everything kind of fell apart. Now we're going to do some rebuilding. So that's about three more years of maybe some real tension and dysfunction. I mean, the dysfunction is so visible now when you have a government that basically just says, you know, we, we're just going to shut down because we can't, we can't work it out, can't work out our budget, our money problem. Yeah. So complicated, too. I think that's the other thing that's not working is that the complicated stuff doesn't help us. No. Yeah. How do we get back to simplicity? You know, back to this idea of abundance, I, you know, because I've been thinking about it a lot. But even 70s... Again, we didn't have cake around all the time, but also if I wanted to buy a beautiful embroidered pillow from India, that would have been a hard thing to do. I would have had to go to an urban center, probably coastal, you know, really looked hard, looked through the yellow pages, called a hundred stores. I mean, today I could go, you know, at midnight, I could just hop on the internet and bam. I mean, what we want is so accessible whether it's cake or the embroidered pillow or whatever we want, it's pretty much like we can get it any time now. It's easier and easier to satisfy that wanting feeling. And yet, do we really feel satisfied? Is that really how humans are supposed to be? I mean, we have these bodies that are capable of tremendous hard work, like physical labor, you know, fishing, <laughs> hunting, climbing. And, and yet now we're in this space where it's like, just click the button and you can get what you want. You don't have to chase it with a spear. You know, you don't have to grow it and wait a whole growing cycle to get it. And I wonder, is, is, that, is, that, a, is that good for us? I mean, it is where we are. But I do think when you take away the struggle a little bit, when you take away the work that goes into attaining something, is it, mm -hmm. is it as meaningful? I think humans are really built to struggle and work hard and, and in a weird way derive enjoyment from it. Yeah, that reward thing that sort of comes from, you know, waiting for the rain to water your crops and then you have this beautiful harvest or something. It's like we're not 
we're not in that space anymore. And I could argue that this is a hard time. It is a hard time for people, but but the struggle is sort of different. Now it's, it's sort of like, gee, I have to wake up every day and go to this job I really don't like. That's not very meaningful for me just to get the money I need to then go buy the pillow in India. Or, and even worse, maybe I don't even get to buy the pillow in India or buy all the cake I want. I'm just trying to like keep this boat afloat. I mean, not to sound all hippie-ish and stuff, but the back-to-nature thing is pretty appealing to me. And I think there, we are going to see much more big, you know, big environmental movement, especially on the second half of that transit. So that would be three years from now, starting around 2015, 16, 17. I think there is going to be more of a wave back towards, hey, we got to really, again, we have to get clear about our values as a species what do we value? What are we doing here? Are we here to buy the pillow in India? Yeah, kind of. But we're also here to enjoy a sunset and pet a cat and feel the sun on our skin. And those yeah. things don't require this incredible, crazy system that we built. Yeah, it's almost like the system is making us pay to just exist. Right. Like we're feeding the machine now. We're just trying to keep this machine going. But is the machine actually, is it good? Is it that good? <laughs> you know, does it feel good yeah. to be part of the machine? And then that whole thing about Pluto and freedom. What is that? I feel like every, a couple times a day, there's this, this like wave of like this freedom fighter thing that comes out. And I'm just like, where is this coming from? And I think it's part of that wanting to break out of those old structures. Well, Pluto has, just, a, just, has a lot to do with power, how we have power or who has power over us. And ironically, as this whole Pluto and Capricorn thing is going on, we have another big transit, Uranus and Aries. Aries and Capricorn are what, what we call a square. They're at odds with each other. Uranus and Aries is total revolution, and it's – it's kind of like we got to do it now and it doesn't care about, you know, preserving anything that works. It's like burn it all down. And so you got these two energies that are both really pushing for change and definitely freedom, you know, like uh, is a huge theme right now. Like I want to be free. I do not tell me what to do. Um, don't oppress me because I will come and burn your house down. <laughs> and I, I'm kidding, but I'm not, you know, and you see well, that, because you see the, that in the, world the little feelings, you know, very volatile. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you see things like, you know, these revolu revolutionary movements in the Middle East and people rising up and just saying, hey, you know what, we're not doing this anymore. And then you see these, you know, governments in those same areas kind of pushing back and saying, no, you know, we are not having a revolution. We've got to keep things the way they've always been. And so there's this incredible friction between, you know, total, like, let's just start with a clean slate. And then this other energy that's more conservative, Capricorn, that's saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, don't, don't, don't get rid of it all. And even worse, the Capricorn energy could even, the shadow side of it would be, no, we're not changing. We are not going to change. It's going to stay the same. I'm really kind of worried about that part. Well, <laughs> 
you know what, because Pluto's in Capricorn, Capricorn, even though Capricorn is saying, no, we have to keep things the way they've always been. We've got to keep the status quo. Pluto's going to crush that up. It just is. I mean, but it takes time. It takes 16 years. It takes 16 years and it takes a little hardship. You know, it takes some sacrifice and it takes it takes a little suffering because people even if you're very aware and very conscious, you may experience some part of your life getting smashed to pieces. You know, and you might be thinking, why me? You know, I'm not I'm not the one doing the stuff that's oppressive or, you know, pillaging. But it's it's just such a big energy that we can't really get out of it you know it's sort of like hey, we all got to go with it we all got to go through it and it's going to affect everybody on some level in some way yeah and i guess if you look back to even 2008 most of our lives have changed a lot i think so i'm sort of fuzzy like what what was happening then <laughs> it's all a blur um but definitely if you think back to like the late 90s that was such a party that was just like, oh, high times, businesses opening on every block, you know, everything's getting beautified, people are fixing stuff up, the money was just like flowing. Um, it was just such good times. And I think we almost, when we're in a period like that, we sort of feel like this is how it is. You know, this is it. And then when it goes away, it's sort, it's just so traumatic. It's just like if you have a job loss, you know, you have a job and it's it, maybe you don't even care about it that much, but you're used to getting paid a certain amount and then the job goes away and you have to adjust to that. You know, and so many people have lost jobs and then had to go take jobs that paid less and they had to adjust to that. They had to, you know, and things can get better. Things will get better. But but for a period of time, it wasn't better. It was kind of like, gee, I just took a big step down, and I have to work through those feelings. I think there's a lot of beat-up egos out there. Well, that, and you know what? I can't <laughs> tell you the amount of people that I've worked with who are in incredibly difficult situations with jobs, like crazy bosses, oppressive bosses, hostile workplaces. I mean, that has been a huge theme for me over the last two years in particular when I'm doing readings for people, it's uncanny. It's, 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 it sort of seems like that's the norm now to have a, to have a job where you feel like your employer doesn't really value you. You could lose your job any minute. Um, that's kind of yeah. Pluto and Capricorn too. I mean, that to me is a little bit of that cold energy I mentioned at the top of the interview. Uh, you know, it, Pluto is a, a big hunk of ice in a way. I mean, there's sort of this icy quality about, you You know, take it or leave it. Here's your job. I mean, where mm -hmm. in the past, and I wasn't there right after World War II, but it does seem like there was a time period where it was sort of like, we're all in it together. I'm going to take care of you. We're going to have a pension. This company's going to take care of you. Um, you are, if you're loyal to us, we will be there for you. It's like that's all gone now. And I actually think it's going to evolve further. I think we're going to see, you know, the pendulum is constantly going back and forth. I think we'll see a swing back to – a movement back towards businesses that do care about their employees and businesses that understand like when they take care of their employees, their employees are more productive and everything's much better. But again, I'm not sure we're not right. You know, we're not quite on the swing back part yet. Yeah, not yet. 
I think it's coming. Me too. And I've even I read stories about businesses that are already sort of turning the corner, uh, like a like a burger joint in Oregon where they pay people $15 an hour and they don't have to, they could do minimum wage. But what they came to understand was our whole thing works better when we pay people a better living wage. You know, like we, we discovered this and it's the right thing to do. And we're the business owners feel that it's, you know, they're not going to have people working there who are feeling like they're barely getting by. Not even that $15 an hour is that great, but it's better than 7. Right. I think I think there's such an opportunity for businesses to grow and change and evolve if there are people within the organization that are looking at that type of energy of it's a collective and if we take care of the collective, then something great happens. Then there's that freedom to create something even better as a group than if you put people in struggle and expect them to show up for work every day at, you know, whatever minimum wage is an hour, which I just block out. Whenever that number comes out, I just block it out. I know. You know what? When you – it's so – the way things are set up, and, and again, Pluto's shining that light. It's shining the light on everything. Like we're getting to see down deep into the real functioning behind a lot of these systems. But it's so counterintuitive to me when I look at it. I'm thinking that just doesn't make sense. Okay, why wouldn't we want more affordable health care for people? That way you have healthier population. They're going to be more productive. I mean, if you don't provide that to your people, they're sick, they're putting off the doctor, then they end up going to the emergency room and having a $10,000 bill instead of going two years earlier when it would have been 100 I mean, to me, it just makes sense. And I'm not saying the way we've set it up right now is perfect or, or even workable. I don't know yet. But to me, it makes sense that we're trying or that certain groups are trying because – doesn't that make a healthier country, a healthier population? Shouldn't we put more money into educating the young people? Because that's the future of this country, and they're going to take care of us when we're old. You know, instead of cutting funding or saying, no, you know, we're not going to put money into that, it's it just seems silly to me that we wouldn't. Yeah. Even things like you see celebrities, God bless them, I love you guys. But why do you guys make tens of millions of dollars and then the people who work in the hospice make, again, maybe minimum wage or $10 an hour? I mean, aren't our priorities a little off? Yeah, it's about cake. Yeah, it's the cake. It's the cake. (laughs) It's like somebody wished a long time ago, oh, I wish I could go to the movies all the time. And, of course, now you could do that all the time. And somebody else wished, oh, I want cake all the time. And there you go. But, you know, I guess where were those spiritual teachers, you know, a long time ago talking about how to manifest for uh, their their world? It's like I, I don't think any religion really addresses that at all, actually. You know, the most, I mean, the most profound stuff I come across is, is stuff from the Dalai Lama. And I have to say, I'm always a little, I always feel a tinge of shame when I read it because it'll be things like, you don't need any more material comfort, you know, like go discover the mystery of the mind. And I'm thinking, oh, I guess I shouldn't be on the internet shopping and stocking my fridge with cake. <laughs> but. <laughs> 
It's so easy to do that now. It's so easy to indulge. I'm not sure why that's highlighted so much when so many of us are still looking for meaning in anything we do. Well, exactly. I think it's a distorted way of looking for meaning, not meaning, but fulfillment. It's like we're trying to we're trying to get fulfillment. Like if I could just buy that car, that particular car, I it would feel something. I would feel moved or complete. But then we get the car and maybe some people do feel complete, but in my experience, I get the thing and then it's like, huh. Okay, now what? But there's still a bird out there that's like, oh, look at that new car. I'm going to totally nail it. Yeah, I got to I mean, it's like this constant looking for the next thing. That's why I think humans really are built like we like really bring satisfaction. So what if instead of wishing for cake for the next, you know, 2,500 years, what if we start wishing for you know, finding comfort in the ease of things and uh, finding uh, pleasure instead of suffering. You know, what if there was an abundance of just having a great time? Oh, my God, that would be great. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of, and I guess maybe that's what we're trying to get to by being able to shop for anything we want on the Internet. But I just, it just seems like we could have done it a little different. Like if, what if somebody had just thought, I want cake and I want world peace. Right. But I don't think they were thinking that back then. I don't think they were thinking that. I think they were thinking, I want cake and whatever it takes to get it, I'll do that. Even if it means someone is suffering and someone has to get up at four in the morning and gets paid minimum wage and is actually making the cake. I don't care. I don't care what goes into getting the cake as long as I get it. Um, and I think, yeah, well, yeah I just must, I mean, clearly we're getting to a point where most, most people I hope are seeing that that that's not going to work. The pillow from India, that's great. And it's beautiful. And I love looking at it on my couch, but was it embroidered by an eight year old child who was working, you know, 20 hours a day in one of those buildings that might collapse, you know, then is it so good? Yeah. Not to be all gloom and doomy, but, you know, Pluto and Capricorn can be that way. Well, it's like, you know, you're looking for joy. You're buying your pillow. You get all excited. You bring it home, put it on the couch. It looks awesome. And then you sort of do the math behind that. And it's just like, oh, why do I even bother? I know. And it's hard, you know. It's so hard to me to not feel like. Well, I mean, I'm participating in it. I'm participating in all of it, and I'm aware of that. It's not like, oh, look at you guys over there making a mess. It's like, no, I'm in the mess too. I'm doing it. I'm buying the cake. I want the pillow. You know, I want the car. I would. Why can't I have a butler too? You know, I mean, can't we all have a butler? You know, but who's who's going to be the butler? I don't know. Um, it's 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 part of the human experience, I think, to have this this terrible tension inside of between selfishness selfish the de- selfish desire to meet what our own needs versus the collective like wait what's good for the collective because maybe yeah, i can't I, always have what i want i guess we just want it to all show up at once like what's good for me is good for the collective and everybody's happy with their pillows on their couches <laughs> You know, I guess that weird authoritarian thing, 
I guess there, there's some kind of queasiness that comes with that. That, yeah, I want world peace, but what if there's someone out there that does not want that? But in my world, I want world peace. I want world peace, but am I willing to give up my cake to have it? You know, if, if I want world peace, but if that meant I couldn't have as much stuff for myself, would I do it? Would I choose it? Am I willing to put Do we possibly, even know that that's necessary? Well, that's true. That's true. And maybe it's not. But I do think Plutonian themes would suggest like looking at where are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to sacrifice? And to me, you know, the root of sacrifice is very related to the word sacred, you know, to make a sacrifice is a sacred act. So, but are, are we willing, what, what are we willing to give up in order to have more of what we want? And maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe that's not even an issue, but until we can even contemplate that question, I'm not sure how far we can get. Yeah. So speaking of questions, what questions should we be asking ourselves in this Pluto Capricorn time period? Yeah. <laughs> Many years of this. I think we have to keep coming back to, you know, sort of like what's truly important to me. I mean, for me, it's about it's really more about the people I care about. That's important. And I get freaked out when I think that they're getting threatened, you know, by something. Mm -hmm. Um it might not be that for other people. It could be animals. It could be trees. It could be, um, it could be, you know, the house and the car. It could be your body. Um, but I do think constantly coming back to and checking in with like, what do I value? Really? What do I value? Because there's a lot of distraction and there's a lot of sort of, you know, get, getting pulled off in different directions. And I think when we stay connected to our value system and really to the very bare bones of what we value, uh, we're more likely to be able to create fulfillment and create fulfilling lives because we're very clear about like what what's driving me, what's motivating me. It's easy to get distracted. You know, the cake is distracting. The the pillows from India are distracting. Um, the cars and the houses, those are distracting to me in a way, even though I want them. Wanting them, chasing them, sometimes I feel like that's a distraction from what I really value, which is spending time with people that are funny and, you know, having a good dinner and having a good time. Yeah. Or a nature walk. <laughs> or a swim in the ocean or, you know, to me, and it could just be me. I'm really, I love the earth. I mean, that's what I think I'm here for. I just want to be on the earth. I love it. You know, if, if that means I have to live in a grass hut on a beach, I, I could do that. I really think I could. I don't know if I could do it if everybody else was eating all the cake next door and living in mansions, but if we all were doing it, I think I could do it. <laughs> That's what I mean. I think there's something to sort of ponder there about if what I want for me is the same as what I want for the collective, and does it matter if it's different? You know, does it really mean something if those two things aren't the same? Well, and that's where I think we start getting into so much trouble. Because it's like we should all be able to create what we want and, and have the lives we want, but there is a lot of clashing that happens there. Yeah. 
you know, that's where there's all this friction. I mean, I wonder if there isn't a way we can all do that and, and sort of make space for everybody to do their thing. But somehow we're not there yet where it's sort of like, cool, you do your thing and that's cool. I'm over here. Instead, there seems to be it's like people sort of clashing into each other, trying to carve out their space to get their thing. And I do think there's a way to shift that, but I have no idea yeah. how to articulate it or. Yeah, it's like that, that not enough thing, like there's not enough water, or there's not enough resources or there's not enough. And actually, I I really have a hard time believing that there's not enough. And yet there are those days that any one of us can have where we just it's just miserable. Well, you're right. And you just, know what? I think one thing I do think, and I'm cynical about people, but I also believe that people are incredibly magical and creative. And I I think that we're capable of some really incredible stuff that we don't even know yet. In terms of like there is enough for everybody. Okay? There is. And we can do that. And we can have the fuel we need without it being damaging. Like we can do all of that. You know, and, and maybe we have to get in this situation where stuff just isn't working and it's so there's so much pressure that we're sort of forced to go and do it. But I have a lot of faith in humanity, even though I think we do some crazy stuff and some crazy and we make some not always the best decisions, you know. But in the end, when I think the pressure's on, I think people can pull out some major create, creative energy. Yeah, I think so, too. So where can folks find you? Well, I have a website called juliastonestreetsmith.com, and I do a lot of writing there, horoscopes, uh, weekly forecasts, articles about energy. So I would love for people to come find me there. All right, and they can get the scoop all the time. That's right. Fortune forecast is one of my favorites. Oh, thank you. All right. So thank you so much for surfing the psychic ways with us today. Thank you. Thank you. 